before every war, there is a cause. There is a purpose um, as to why it is that it's fought in the first place. Our struggle here is nothing short of intense and absolutely meaningful purpose beyond that of political struggle or military might. Our purpose uh, is for salvation itself, for the very actuality of being saved, because that is what the human condition has come down to in a way, is this need for saving, this need for salvation, this need for rejoining of sorts, a reconnection to that which is. We've somehow separated ourselves from it. Um, or at least we feel that we have for whatever reason. And those reasons we will elaborate on. Um, but this war, like all others, has a very profound purpose, and that is to deliver that salvation. It is, in a, a very real way, um, a struggle for reconnection for bringing back the originality of human being itself. And we've somehow lost that originality. We've somehow distanced ourselves from meaning, uh, from joy itself, from contentment, from the present, or the presence of experience itself. We're always experiencing at a degree, whether it be through because of some sort of ideology or preconception or bias or notion that holds us back or an experience that holds us back from actually being present um, and having this connectivity 
to life. Um, again, we are so often disjointed. We are so often removed. Um, we, we so often feel not ourselves. Because we're always searching. We're always struggling. And maybe that's what this is more. This is more of a struggle. A continued, or the, the, the hope, the hopeful end of such a struggle. It's a battle uh, to end battles on micro and macroscopic levels. Well, because, of course, all large battles begin as very minor conflicts. And I think, in a very real way, that the wool has been pulled over our eyes, so to speak. And it's done this, with this has happened, because things that seem small to us go on to make the largest and most impactful impressions and influences on us. Things that we pass off as details or everyday occurrence or just the, the accepted way that things are. Uh, these things are all well within our capabilities uh, to change, to alter, to have a new experience, with, to have a new an experience is not even really the right word, as we will see. The right way of thinking about this particular happening is to have a new being with it, because that is what life is. It's this participation with itself. And we are a very, very intricate, in, mo in fact, the most inextricable, intricate, powerful, beautiful piece. But we have made that piece extremely, extremely vulnerable extremely susceptible to its own frailties, to its own misgivings, to um, its own desires, or to desire itself. We've created this want to become more. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why is it that we want something more? The simplified answer to that, without, which is a, a, something else we will go into uh, at greater length down the road, is a point that we have already stated here in the early summation of why it is that we fight this battle, or we choose to fight, 
That is because, and I'm sure we will mention it many times going forward, but that is because we are within an existential crisis. It is a crisis of being. It is a crisis of humanity. Um, it is a crisis which attacks us from all angles. Um, and not only are we incapable of fighting back because we simply haven't formed or forged the weaponry to do so, but uh, we seldom are even aware that we're being combated. Although we feel the effects of the attacks. We feel isolated and alone so often. Scared, anxious, timid, incomplete. We constantly question, we search. Our life is one large mission to find out. One giant quest for meaning, for any kind of feeling. We've become so numb to life itself, to being, to this presence that surrounds us that we can't quite make out because we've so separated from it. We've become so numb to it that we look for any kind of feeling we can extract from it, even in the forms of, of pain and self-infliction of suffering needlessly. We incur difficulties just to occupy ourselves. We attempt at things which we simply are not. Just to have a sense of purpose. Just to try and extrapolate some tiny morsel of what it is. This cliche as it might sound, this life is all about. It's the deepest question. Why? And yet, oftentimes, through systemization and dogma or some form uh, from some sort of institutionalization, we ask how? 
But the real question is why? Or the real question has become why? We've made it a question. We've somehow gotten to a place where the question has usurped <laughs> the being with. It's become more than it's become more than than the actual importance of that happening which sustains us, which we go through, the happening which we are the largest influence on and most greatly influenced by. We continually search for because we don't really even know what we're asking. We don't even know this question of why. We don't, if we've become so removed from it, we don't even know how to ask it and we forget that it's become, it's the really the only important question out there. We've totally lost sight of it. And it's been replaced by how, how do we get from one point to another? How do we become something more, something greater? How does that work? How does this happen? And it's not necessarily that hows have or never lead to whys. It's not that we always ask how and never ask why. That's not necessarily the case, but what does happen is that we generally only get to why after the details are uh, expounded. After all the hows, how did this happen? How did that happen? The details are given to us. Everything's set up and kind of together in our mind. And only then do we get to the why. Why happens when the hows are there's nothing, not no more no more how hows. <laughs> to ask. And it's funny because the human language or the 
English language, or really just the human ability to frame the question, then language is just insufficient to, to do all this. But why comes in when all the hows have, have been, at least to some degree, addressed? How is, is easy? How is the articulation or the recanting of a phenomenological happening? Something that happens either, it happens to us, is a part of our experience either directly or, or otherwise. But why? Is become a much more difficult question for us. And yet, partly because of its difficulty, and partly because I think we're simply afraid to really look at it or we, again, don't have the proper tools in which to do so. Uh, why is always in the background. It certainly never gets the fullest degree of attention. Asking why, we hope to come to some sort of understanding, to some kind of comprehension, because really that's that's what we're looking for—an answer, any answer—and again, that answer often comes in the form of a feeling, of wanting to, to feel something, wanting something to happen to us so we can have an experience that we can take with us and make sense to us. sense of, again, ourselves and the why, the general why of things, the general meaning of things, the general hope, we hope. That's, that's what we're doing because in the search for a meaning, we hope to find, which is why we ask and we search for, for answers. 
because if we could find the meaning there'd be no more reason to struggle with the search. The fight would be over. It'd be done. The great questions would be answered. All the books would be written. All the sciences could stop their pursuits. The institutions could fade away. The beliefs, the dogmas, all the notions of how things are and that ultimate why of things that can all be forever disassembled and we would simply allow ourselves to be Because ultimately it's this quest for being itself. That's what the ultimate search is. That's why we hope to find meaning. We hope to achieve, to become to have this coalition of ourselves merging in an ultimate conglomeration with that which is. And our meaning our hope for this meaning to be with that answer it shines through in everything that we do. Everything that we as human beings do is either a search for that or the active denial to look for it. <laughs> we either surrender, we either fight ceaselessly against that beating current, uh, or we retreat inland, offshore, to a safer place. because safety is all that we have to cling to <laughs> when in the midst of all these questions, all this separation we've noticed how isolated we've become like children 
a child who has run far away or just run out of fear when the moment strikes them that there is nothing to fear yet they've run so far that they no longer know where they are that's what we are attempting in our struggle for our quest for to derive some kind of meaning or attempting to relocate ourselves or to, to locate ourselves in the first place and to bring ourselves back with the currents and not go continually against them. So, we have many questions. We have many difficulties. And we've become, through this departure, through this inability to be with, through this inability to simply be, or simply be ourselves, and not in some superficial way, not in a way that, you know, the teenagers attempts to, to just be oneself. No, I'm talking about something much more deep than that, something that is a real, that is a reality. That is reality itself. All these things that we talk about, this attempt to find oneself, so many of them are so superficial, artificial. Again, distractions, amusement in the midst of the horrors, the horror show that goes on around us. They're distractions, they're parlor games while in prisons. It's a, it's a parlor game, I should say, that one plays while in a prison, in a detainment camp. Because Again, and it is, if the inflection of my tone seems melodramatic, it's only because it is such a serious happening. It's such a serious and yet almost entirely unaddressed occurrence.
philosophers, every philosopher, it's why philosophy exists. <laughs> They've attempted it. They've attempted to solve it in some way. Scientists do the same thing. The heads of religions, the heads of state and community and institutions, authority of every kind attempts to to answer it. That is our back beaten from a barrage. That, that, that is like an army out of weapons. That's what we've resorted to throwing at it. Instead of bullets, we throw the stones at our feet. Instead of allowing ourselves access to this reality, we throw whatever form of distraction, whether it be, again, some sort of political party, a piece of amusement art, or some sort of, you know, trash novel, or Some, any, any kind of happening which we separate ourselves from really confronting this issue head-on, we constantly go to. Because our consciousness has simply decided to shut down. We've decided to stop looking into the light because it burns our eyes. We look only at the shadows on the wall and from those shadows we make assertions about the light from which they emanate. And yet, we fail to see purpose. We fail to see actual meaning. Just because we search for it doesn't mean that these things don't exist. It just means that we are, of course, aware of their existence. Painfully so. And yet we don't know 
what to do, even if and when we find it. This is because the separation from what is this segregation of ourselves from that which we truly are has caused within us on an individual and societal and global level a great sickness humanity is sick it's somewhere between catatonic and already all but dead which is why this is such a serious deadly serious topic which is why the tenor of these words are, are so somber and so heavy if if it wasn't for this sickness there'd be no need for philosophies there'd be no need for the search for the struggle there would the reunification would take place the reinstantiation of direct participation with actuality would occur meaning would be not only apparent uh, but ever-present and omniscient or yeah, omniscient and omnipotent it would just it would be all that there is meaning we would be in continual dialogue in on a continual stroll with the degree the serious not degree but the entirety of reality and yet we're not even completely aware of what reality is we're not even precisely sure of what it is that we're looking for outside of whatever we can say about meaning or that's just it is we don't know what meaning is 
we wouldn't know it if it met us in our own home and called us by our own names. Again, we're so separated from not only this reality, but from ourselves. We're so influenced. We're so heavily guided, completely misinformed, tricked, fooled because of our own good-natured innocence. feel now because of it that we've been duped into whatever life this is, whatever this has to offer. And again, though we find glimpses, just flashes out of the corners of our eyes about what this meaning is, what this being, what this happening, what this reality is. We don't possess the capabilities, the skills, the cognitive or soulful capacities to reach out and grab it and hold it or more accurately to let we don't possess the openness to let it grab a hold of us which of course is precisely where our problems start and often where they end, and often where we turn away from them. We, again, would care not to look, rather than to fight. Who could really blame us? We simply haven't the training. We haven't the skill set. We possess none of the defenses to ward off the problems so-called problems that we encounter but we are excellent at making them <laughs> as a matter of fact so backwards are we that the more often we make them these problems the more further off course 
we go, uh, the more we figure or we feel that we've that we've finally gotten somewhere. Like a man who wanders in to a maze or to a labyrinth. Who can't find its center. We become lost deeper and deeper, more and more turned around within the hedgerows of the walls of this maze, this 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 labyrinth that we've constructed. And we become more and more sick. And our trials, our tests, our tribulations become more and more extreme and yet we feel that because of a degree of hubris that we have cultivated we feel completely uh, equipped to uh, negotiate these self-created difficulties. We write the maps we, we survey the land and we we write out a some sort of sonard like image based on our over the overconfidence we have of, within our of our own abilities and uh, we continue to lie and tell ourselves that we are equipped we are able we are not lost. And nothing could be further from the truth. This in and of itself, <laughs> the inflation of this sort of egoism is its own kind of sickness. So now we have a cancer uh, battling another kind of fatal virus and uh, neither uh, takeover of, of the body of our own humanity at large is, is a good thing.
it is we are sick so we create other sicknesses to cure us it's sort of uh, again the old the fable of the old woman who swallowed a fly and then to swallow or to uh, yeah, uh, catch the fly she swallows a spider and to catch the spider she swallows a cat and to catch the cat she swallows a dog and so on and so on and so forth so this has become a major major difficulty is that we are not even aware of these particular sicknesses and we often see them not again only as sicknesses but as actual um, remedies <laughs> to the sickness which of course poisons us further makes us weaker uh, it's like we we build the wall higher but with more flimsy material I, I hate to condemn us in this way I, I really I, it gives me no joy to be able to do so never does a person seek to struggle unless as we spoke about earlier it's only from the struggle that we can see any sort of of gain or have any sort of feeling further us but what we have here is a struggle and it is a condemnation of ourselves as we currently are but it's a condemnation because I believe that that we believe that we are capable of something greater we're capable of something more it's condemnation because like a parent who sees the potential of their children we when when that those children are failing or not living up 
to their fullest selves or their potentials. Um, we, we know that there is more. We know that we are better than what we have become. In fact, we are better than our constant struggle to become. But this is a crisis of consciousness. It's a crisis of being. It's a crisis of, of who we are. And we are in full crisis mode. And the more quickly we realize it, and precisely and quickly we can uh, resolve it. Because there is evidence of the we are sick and there, there is evidence of the sickness uh, at every turn of uh, our being, at every turn of our way of life, there's a notion of something that simply doesn't sit right. There's a notion of, there's a very legitimate, real factor that something like is breathing down our necks, that something's watching us that shouldn't be there. And it gives us this anxiety-ridden squirm and it begins with our perception with our perceptions with our deaths. We go towards what it is that we see. We endure what it is. We endure the, the paths that we walk within. Uh, as the Buddha said, we are what we think. We, for the reasons that we've stated here, have either chosen to stop thinking altogether um, or to, we've had the absolute wrong thoughts and thought them as true and, and considered them true.
again, all of all of that is spells ultimate doom for us, um, both individually uh, and societally. And I'm talking about a global society, not you know a society of a particular culture. particular time even I'm talking about right now and this is such a crisis this is such uh, a weighted consequence because precisely because it is ongoing here and now um, and there is a desperate and dire need to act now not to put this off, not to reshape, reframe, remold various forms of the precise things that got us into these difficulties in the first place. This is a not a revamping of a complete destruction. complete destruction of the things uh, of, of, of the environment that we've created we have to erase it we have to reset our consciousness we have to detach ourselves from the bias, from the notions from the things which hold us in our places. We have to evolve, we have to walk, we have to be with this thing that we continue to strive for. It's in the very striving that we come short. That's just precisely the problem. Isn't the very movement towards an answer what we're actually doing is moving away from the answer that we are seeking and yet this is what our consciousness instructs for us to do this is the way that every dogma, every religion, every institution, every society, every philosophical notion, theory, every science, every system, every tradition of culture and all of this wants to tell us <laughs> how to be when the joke of it is is that we already are the call is coming from within inside the house we are already 
what is. And yet, we voluntarily seek to extract ourselves in all these unnecessary ways. Again, because we're simply, we're, we're simply sick. We're like, we're, we're mad. <laughs> we're, we're the inmates uh, who've taken control of the asylum. And the asylum dictates uh, everything in the outside world, even though this asylum is completely removed from it. We've come to so rely on it, regard it so highly. That's all we know. We're safe within the asylum. Yet we, we don't realize that <laughs> that we're sick in the first place. So, what does this struggle, what does it, what does this sickness mean? What is it? Where, how do we remove ourselves from it? What causes the sickness specifically? What causes the sickness is precisely the catalyst uh, for our battle here. And we will enumerate in a very particular way, albeit with precision uh, and with a concise uh, and, and tactful, strategically speaking, uh, with a tactful and purposeful manner, one that should shock us out of uh, ourselves so that we can, in an almost astral projection type way, be removed from uh, our own constructed realities, if even only for a moment, just so we can look back at ourselves uh, and gain a different perspective. And that extraction uh, will be painful. <laughs> it may, maybe it will most likely be painful for us, and it will be uh, scary. Um, it will bring us to places uh, that we didn't see coming. But it will also be 
so completely necessary uh, that to be without it like a very critical surgery uh, we will die because this sickness that we're enduring is truly it's it's a matter of life and death um, and that's why there is a war at our doorstep and this war is of vast and critical importance the reasons for it will also uh, be elaborated on and what's to follow what it is how it came to be all of these things we will go into it in detail and we'll articulate what they are what our relationship to them is uh, how they've become uh, and how to extract them from our being so we can and not from our life per se because our contention is is that with them we don't have a life we have the parasite that controls life with them there there is no life because what we are preparing to do is bring about a new being bring about or maybe what was actually more or was more accurately described as old being or being in its original form being itself again this is a term that can we continually come uh, come up with is, is being itself for this attempt to the, the consequence of this is, is so great um, and so again solemnly and seriously stated because when we have if we have sickness we have a being that is not complete not total it's not whole insufficient it's dilapidated it's it lacks um, but when that sickness is removed what do we have
and really what we have is something that we're not even we're not even sure again that's we're so far gone from it we we don't we don't know what it looks like anymore what this original actual this actuality this real being is being with is we can't really almost state it enough but the importance of it is and this is the most important point of again here I think we need to summarize what we've already gone over so far is that we have this sickness, this malignancy, and when, because we've searched for it, or we've searched for ways to remove it, we don't even know that that's really what we're doing. But we try all these different ways again as to how to do it, or how to how to reconnect. What we're doing, and here is, oh, is fighting. We're fighting a small conflict, a local struggle that has spilled over into the battle of being And that battle has become a war. And it's become a war to fight off the sickness. Sickness of consciousness. Sickness of our minds of the, that, that, that has become our bodies. It's a, a sickness of our consciousness which has spilled over to a bodily sickness um, and a, a, a sickness of the soul. We're soul sick. So, what is it that we have when that sickness is removed? That's what we're aiming towards. That's what. Again, we, I say it with no pleasure that we're, we are absolutely sick. We, we kill each other. <laughs> we fucking kill each other. We have enormous egos because of it. It's, we're killing each other in various different ways. Even if we're not picking up an actual knife and putting it in someone's 
physical back. We are doing that in a very, at least not all in one fell swoop. You know, we <laughs> we think that, you know, oh, you know, we convict murderers who commit a specific act in a very small period of time, and yet uh, if we remove time from the equation, uh, we're killing ourselves in all sorts of different ways. We're refusing to have conversations with one another. We're refusing to participate with one another uh, because simply for our own gains because we've set up this struggle of oneself versus fill in the blank versus whatever versus absolutely everything else we've created otherness we've created otherness it wasn't necessarily always there we created it. And we we kill our brothers, we kill our siblings, we kill our parents, our mothers and our fathers, and we spill our own blood uh, to lap it up uh, for what we perceive as our own individual greater good. We spill the blood of our own kind, I should say, to lap it up for the greater good of, of our own particular selves. This is uh, quite damning. It's quite sad. And it is quite sick. So, that is where or why this battle exists. What the battle is will be explained shortly in. Uh, our musings on uh, this is uh, our, in, in the in the musings which which follow here. I don't want to use the particular word yet because it sort of gives away <laughs> gives away the culprit uh, before we fully explored the mystery. But there is a very particular form which takes place, which takes shape, um, and uh, a very particular army um, which has caused this sickness. Um, there's a vehicle. The sickness is the thing itself. It's what impacts us. It's what influences us. It's what grabs at us. But the sickness um, the sickness is what it delivers. There is a vehicle that brings it to us. And of course, to disarm uh, the vehicle is uh, 
the first is is how we prevent the sickness uh, from infecting us. If we uh, you know capture the host, we can make an antibiotic uh, and in, inject it ourselves with it. Um, but we have to be aware of the fact that we're sick in the first place, and how. How is it that we are sick will all be explained and elaborated on with uh, greater detail you know, you know um, as we venture out um, so this is a pre-war this is an antebellum this is uh, an acknowledgement that we need to leave our homes, to leave our villages, and uh, walk, go towards the path of of battle. And we we do this because we realize that because we search, precisely because we search, uh, there, we are incomplete and we are sick. We are unwhole. And we need to become more. So, what our, our quest does now, or what we need to, to do once we've acknowledged the sickness, um, is to fight, is to fight. So we need to fight back. We need to see that the sickness is the catalyst uh, for the war. And the point of our attacker, the whole objective of our adversary is to keep us sick. does this uh, in a very sly way. Again, well, the sickness, um, any sickness prevents The infected being with becoming its full potential. So what we aim to do here is to remove that sickness and the consequence 
of that removal is enormous. Because what we are doing truly is paving the way for our reconnection with God. We are paving the way for God's return with human being, with reality. And maybe God isn't the right word, maybe it's too old, too polluted, too bogged down by this sickness, by various forms of this sickness. But that is what the extraction of this sickness will do. And that is precisely what we in this attempt hope to gain. Uh, more accurately stated, that is precisely what we will gain once that sickness is extracted. And that sickness will be extracted um, if we rise to an awareness, if we rise, if we lift our consciousness out of these doldrums that it's endured for such a long time. But we will only be able to do that if we begin to first acknowledge that we are sick, because that's what you do when you're sick. You say, okay, you, there's an acceptance. <laughs> we say, you know, okay, we're sick. Now, how do we get better? Again, we need to come to a very concrete realization that once we get rid of the sickness, um, once we stop this search, once we come to peace, Um, then we will have not only laid the ground for God's return to humanity, to earth. We're not, and we're not, when we say that, we're not speaking about, you know, the Messiah's return in any particular form, but more messiahhood, more reality itself, more be being, actuality. Again, maybe God is too poisoned of a word, but we are looking to clear away uh, 
to open a space to canonically um, allow to have this emptying of ourselves um, that is filled, that is open, lay, lay, laid open to uh, being filled by this reality, by God, by truth. Um, and that is what we will happen because that is ultimately what we are searching for. That is ultimately where we attempt to find this, you know, so-called meaning. So that uh, is truly what's at stake. to be completely aware and honest uh, of that happening and honest with ourselves of, of the consequence of this um, because without us realizing it sick and it is this war that makes us so